Amen. Good morning, Grace Point. Everybody doing good? Amen. I do want to thank uh, Tamisha, uh, the whole praise and worship team for Friday night, man. It was awesome. They did an awesome job. Uh, I want to thank Nick uh, for his heart and, and encouragement in, in uh, helping doing this. And, uh, man, it was just really good. They, uh, we're not trying to make you feel bad if you wasn't here, but it was just uh, really good to just hang out with God in that kind of a atmosphere and just enjoy his presence, his worship. Just really good. And I know it takes a lot of work for them to, to do that, and I appreciate it. Amen. Good morning. We're going to talk about the purpose of grace this morning, and uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 22, and when I'm saying the purpose of grace, there, you know, boy, that could be a wide open field, and it is, it's a title that would allow me to go multiple places, obviously, but we know that we are saved by grace through faith, that's the word of God, and, uh, but not only are we saved by grace, but we also are kept by grace, so the same grace that saves us is the same grace that keeps us. Now around here at Grace Point, we know that grace is not a theological teaching. It's not a six-week endeavor. It's not something that we just do or talk about once in a while. Uh, we believe the scripture is clear that grace is a person and his name is Jesus. Amen. And Jesus didn't come to give us grace. He came to be our grace. And there's a big difference. But then the grace of God that we live by, you know, we, we live by that grace and that faith in him causes us to be able to go through life in a different way than people that are not born again. And uh, to me, the greatest New Testament person that exemplifies that kind of living post-resurrection, after Jesus has ascended, we're in the time that we are in now, but Paul was in grace. In other words, he's not under the law. And uh, he lived a very totally different life than most Christians live. And let me say this, uh, God's got all kind of ways of communicating to me what he wants me to talk about on Sundays, and he uses various people. I was literally sitting at my computer yesterday, uh, I had already given Pastor Johanna my title earlier in the week or earlier the day before or something. And, and so I, 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 wasn't, I, I already had my, my message. But, you know, there's times you kind of wrestle. You know, is this the right boat to set sail from? Is this it? Um, I, I don't weary of something to preach. I mean, I can preach 30 minutes on the columns, semicolons and the periods and the commas, you know. But uh, doing this as long as I've done it. But I want to I come with the message that, you know, for this crowd, for this people, for this day. I believe God does have a present truth that he wants us to, to hear. And, um, and, and uh, this precious brother, uh, his name's Kelsey, I'll just say that, uh, from Texas. Uh, they were here for a very brief time, a few months, and then they, they had moved because of their job and so forth to Texas, but he has kept in communication with me. And so I was literally sitting at my computer and I got an email, bing, and it was from him. 
and he just sent me a link that so confirmed and you know what I was to talk about today it was the very exact thing that I had already had in print right in front of me and I was going God is this it and here comes you know bling here's your email and so I immediately uh, you know a few you know a little bit um, in a moment later read what he had sent listened to what he had sent and uh, said man thank you for just obeying that little prompt to send this to me because God sure used it to confirm and so in Acts 2022 the apostle Paul uh, he's approaching the end of his ministry here. He is on his way to Rome, and he and he says, "And see now, I go bound uh, uh, in the spirit to Jerusalem, and from there he's going to go from Jerusalem to Rome." And then he says this statement, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Uh, now he didn't know what was going to happen. You and I don't know what's going to happen. There are some things facing us that we really, to be honest, we don't know what's going to happen. We just don't know. And then he says, but this is what I do know, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city that chains and tribulations await me. Now, he says, I know, I don't know what's going to happen when I get there, but I do know this, I've got imprisonment and I've got tribulations waiting on me. And he said, not the devil, but the Holy Spirit's confirmed that to me. I've got problems ahead of me. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. I've got chains waiting on me. I've got tribulations waiting on me. But then in verse 24, but none of these things move me. Now, that's what makes him different than me. <laughs> I won't blame you, but in most of us. Because we live our lives based on what's going on in our lives. In other words, the, the expression on our face, the words that come out of our mouth, are a lot of time are not dictated by what we carry on the inside in our spirit, but it's by, by what's going on around us. What's going on with us? What's going on in our lives? How you doing, Brother Dale? Man, I'm hanging in there, buddy. Anybody besides me ever tell people that when they ask you how you doing? How you doing? I'm surviving. I'm still here. I'm still breathing. <laughs> Just hanging in there, doing the best I can. Shaking the trees, raking the leaves, you know what I'm talking about, you know. That's what you say in sales. What's going on, brother, man? I'm shaking the trees. Got that from Mike. But our life, if we're not careful, will become what's going on around us. And Paul didn't do that, and he's always amazed me the way he would do. So he says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. He said, I'm not living for myself. He said, this ain't about me. This is bigger than me. That I may finish my race with joy. Everybody say joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify. Now, this is the ministry that we've all received from the Lord Jesus. We are to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. How do we testify? Sometimes we use words if necessary. Sometimes we testify by using words. But mainly we testify by what we say just to other people and how we live our lives. Your life lived declares what you believe about your life. Amen? And so uh, that's what I want to talk about today. That's the, that's the one big idea. Amen? Father, I commit this to you today, and I just... Pray the Holy Spirit that you've gifted to me that I would yield to him and you would cause your power to be manifested.
the power that transforms lives and changes us. And Lord, Lord, as we go from glory to glory, we just give you praise for that in Christ's name. Everybody said amen. amen. Come on, turn around before you sit down. Shake somebody's hand. Give them that big smile. Tell them you're looking good this morning. When I was uh, thinking about this yesterday, a scripture really stood out to me that I, don't, I, I would say that I hadn't really thought about it so much so in this light before. It's so familiar to most of us that's read this Bible. Uh, it's in Matthew 14. And it's when they are in a storm, the disciples, Jesus has put them, told them to get in the boat, go to the other side. You remember the story, they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and so they're crossing over to the other side, and they encounter a tremendous storm. Jesus is up on the mountain praying. He comes to them walking on the water. Now, they do like most of us do when you're in a storm. Uh, they, they don't recognize the help of God when it comes. They think it's a demon. I don't know why our first thought is that's got to be the devil. Uh, but I, the, the point is this, when Jesus comes and, and he, they, they're, they're crying out for fear because they think it's a ghost, it says. But this is the first thing out of the mouth of Jesus to those guys in the middle of that trouble. Now, they're in, they're in trouble. It's not a fake storm. It's, uh, and by the way, uh, God didn't send it. Show me any storm in the New Testament that Jesus blessed. And so let me just pause right here because some of you need to hear this. God ain't never sent a storm to tear up nothing. As far as he didn't send Katrina. Talking about our, when grace, I'm, this, this is, you, you got to know that about God. God's not guilty of all things he gets blamed for. The act of God, that's in your insurance policies. The storm comes by, tears your house up. They say it was an act of God. The insurance company's done convicted God of it. It was an act of God. It was not an act of God. Remember when Jesus, he, he, they got in a storm one time on another occasion. He was actually in the boat with them. They woke him up and said, don't you care, which was a ridiculous question. He goes to the bow of the boat, and he rebukes the storm. He rebukes it. Now, if God sent it, that means Jesus is rebuking God. And that means the Son is working in opposition against the Father, and a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So all I'm trying to get you to see is every storm, natural event that occurs is not God behind it. Okay? God don't drown people. He don't break legs. He's, I know you can probably get tired of hearing me say it. He's not the Godfather. He doesn't break a few legs to get your attention. He doesn't cause your kid to get hurt and get put in the hospital so you'll pray and go to church. That's mafia stuff. He gets accused of it. And I don't care what bad event happened in your life, God didn't cause it so you'd come to church. God didn't cause it so you'd get saved. You might have got saved because of it. That's just because you woke up enough to say, I can't do this stuff alone. But God didn't do that. The event that God did to get you saved is his son went to the cross on your behalf. That's what, that's what God did. 
And so he's just not guilty of all this stuff. So when Jesus is walking on the water, coming out there to where those disciples are, the first words out of his mouth to these guys that are in a tremendous storm, in fear of their life, he says, be of good cheer. Now, I find that a little bit weird. The first thing that he says to them, and they're in the middle of a tremendous storm, they're crying out, the Bible says, for fear. He says, be of good cheer. This is not a time to be of good cheer. I don't feel like being of good cheer. This is not a be of good cheer moment. And he tells me the first thing he says is be of good cheer. Because that is the nature of God. That when you're in circumstances, your circumstances does not dictate. And so he says be of good cheer. Now why, didn't, why did he tell them that first? Why didn't he wait till they were safely on the other side and the storm had, had ceased and, and, and then tell them to be of good cheer? That's when they would have participated in the good cheer. We're safe. Everything's over. Storm's over. Yay. But God says he tells you to go yay while you're still in the storm. Because there's more to this than just your safety. See, Psalm 34 and 1 says, I will bless the Lord sometimes. Oh, excuse me. I will bless the Lord in the good times. Y'all messing with me. I'm trying to read and y'all keep. I will bless the Lord at what time? All times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Continually. I'm going to bless God at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Now, there's a little old book in the New Testament called the book of Philippians. It's only four chapters long. It's written... Inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. And he writes this letter, now listen to this, from prison awaiting execution. He is in prison. He has been there for years. He wasn't just there overnight. He's been there for years. He is awaiting execution. And he writes a letter to the church at Philippi. And in four little old measly chapters, he uses the word joy or rejoice 17 times. He's not saying, oh, woe is me, and I don't understand this, and I thought my ministry would end different. If this is God, I had it better serving the devil. Don't raise your hands if you've been a Christian and you ever said that. Well, if this is God, I had it better. I might well serve the devil. I had it better when I served him. Really? So he saved you. <laughs> Satan. No, you didn't have it better when you were serving the devil. But you're letting your pain in that moment become your reality. 17 times. One of the things he says here in Philippians, this little book in chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And apparently he thought they're not going to get this. And he said, again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord how many times? Always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious or worry about nothing. I know these are really, I guess we would say, uh, sobering verses for us all, right? Be anxious for nothing. But I want you to notice something. But in, everybody say in, not for now, but in everything by prayer and supplication 
with thanksgiving. That is a huge key. Let your request be made known to God. Now, you don't have to be stupid and say, you know, you, you get a diagnosis of cancer, say. God forbid. But you get a diagnosis of cancer. You, 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 you don't give thanks for cancer. Oh, I just thank you for this cancer, Lord. That's stupid. But in everything, in, not for everything, but in everything, there is room for prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Now, the thanksgiving thing, that's a whole sermon within itself, but I just want to drop this off. When Jesus was handed a few loaves and fishes that were not sufficient for the problem that was before him, the feeding of the 5,000s, he did not immediately begin to complain and accuse God and say, I can't believe that you put me in this position. I can't believe that you brought me to this point in my life and now I've got this huge problem in front of me and you only give me five loaves and two small fishes to feed 5,000 plus people. This is not fair. That sound familiar how people talk, how we talk when we get in a, a crunch? In other words, you're handed $50 and you owe $5,000. What good is this going to do? I can't believe if this is what it means to provide for me, then, you know, and, and we just go off on these tangents. And we've got to learn to live differently than that because that's the purpose of this grace that God's given us. And so what did Jesus do? He took the loaves and fishes and it said that he, it actually says this in the scripture, he looked up. He looked up and then he looked upon the fish and he gave thanks and he and he took it he blessed it he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and then the disciples turned and went to those groups of 50 that they were sitting in companies of 50 and he began to feed the people now a lot of christianity teaches that the miracle happened that jesus is there captain d's fish and chips guy and he's piling up fish and chips, and he's got a big pile, you know, big as a little mountain, and they're coming up, you know, getting basketfuls and going feeding the people because Jesus is causing the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. Jesus did not do that. Jesus gave the loaves and fishes to his disciples, and the miracle happened in their hands. And it was important for them to understand that the multiplication was happening in their hands because they had a word from God to go feed them. Jesus, they, they'd already came to Jesus and said, you, you know, send them away. You do this, you do that. He says, no, you feed them. He said, I'm going to empower you to do what you're trying to get me to do. See, this is what Christianity is. God empowers us to do the impossible. He empowers us to do what we want him to do on his own. But he's empowered us to do it. Now, another time, it, it, it says, in, in, and this has always stood out to me, but it says in John chapter 6, verse 23, John 6, 23, it says, however, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. Now, it, it said, I'm thinking about when I'm reading the Bible, why mention that? He said, this is the place that they ate bread after the Lord gave thanks. This is the place that they ate bread after the Lord gave thanks. This is the place that they ate bread after the Lord gave thanks. 
Because when you are thankful, it creates an atmosphere for the power and miracles of God. It just does. Because you cannot be thankful and grumbling at the same time. It's an either or. If you're thankful, you're not grumbling. You're not complaining. You're not griping about the insufficiency or the little bit or the lack. You're, not, you're, not, you're, you're just being, I'm, I'm just thankful. Thank God I got a roof over my head. I got groceries in the pantry. Thank God I can breathe. You know, like the old church used to do. Thank God that, I woke, that he woke me up this morning. I'm in my right mind. I'm not having to wipe the drool off my chin. I can see. I understand it's raining, but I'm not a frog. I mean, I'm going to church. Hallelujah. And I'm going, you know what I'm saying? And I, <laughs> I'm not going to stay home and go ribbit. I'm going to go to the house of God. And you remember, you know, when people didn't, you know, one thing, whatever. I don't want to get off on that. I'll forget that. It's a nice trail, but I refuse it. It's just a different way of living is what I'm trying to say. But being thankful, it changes things tremendously in our life. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying in Philippians. He said, when you're facing these kind of things, he, he, he says, go ahead and pray about it. Intense prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Go ahead and let your request be made known to God. And if you do this, he says in verse 7, the peace of God, which you already possess, your peace is not at the drugstore that you have to get the pharmacist to fill for you. It's not a prescription. As a Christian, listen to me, you have all the joy that you ever need in your spirit. You never have a deficiency in your spirit. You have been given the fullness of God in Christ, but it resides in your born-again spirit. You don't always feel joyful. You don't want to express that joy. In other words, if you've had a death in the family, you're not going to go, yeah. Maybe you do, depending on who it was. That was me. I'm saying I understand Let's get real. You don't always feel like expressing like joy. But see, joy is different than happiness. They call your name on the prices right. Oh, John Doe, come on down. You're the next. And they're just screaming like they've been given a million dollars. And all they did is tell you to come to the front. You ain't won nothing yet. You can get that happy just because they got you down front. That's not joy. That's happiness. Happiness depends on what happens. Happiness depends on what happens. There's going to be a lot of stuff happens. A lot of stuff happens in this life that you don't want to happen. But it doesn't change your joy because your joy is in the Lord. The, the joy of the, the joy of who? The joy of the Lord is what? That's your strength. Because, see, his joy doesn't go up and down. His joy doesn't have a full tank and then on, running on fumes. The joy of the, see, see, we read that like it's our joy is my strength. It ain't your joy that's your strength. The joy of the Lord. Is he joyful? Always. The joy of the Lord is, but you got to focus on the joy of the Lord. What's he joyful in? He's joyful in you. The joy of the Lord, that's my strength. That's my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so he says, if you do these things, the peace of God will surpass all your understanding. It's not going to make sense to, to people. It's not supposed to. We'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this is it. This is the big idea this morning. The circumstances in life have nothing to do with your expression of the life that's on the inside of you. It doesn't. It doesn't. 
Now listen, the purpose of grace is not just to get you to heaven when you die. The, the purpose of heaven, well, God, the purpose of God's grace is to reveal heaven in, see, we used to sing when I was growing up in church, by and by after a while over yonder, in the glory land, by and by. <laughs> and everything we, everything the songs they sung then and all that kind of stuff was based on the, you know, it's going to be, won't it be wonderful up there? Won't it be, you know, everything was about when we get there. But until you get there, you got to live here. <laughs> and that's why most Christians I knew were just miserable. See, God's goal when he saved you was not to get you to heaven because if you did, you wouldn't need but two preachers, one to preach you saved and one to preach your funeral, and it'd be instant and be gone. Oh, you're saved? Boom, you're dead. Come on home. God don't need you in heaven. God, God don't kill people because he needed an angel. I don't care what the preacher said at the funeral. You can die a thousand times, you still won't be an angel. God needs an angel, he'll just burp and make one. He's not lost his creative ability. Angels are not us and we're not angels. If we had anything to do with angels, God would send, would have sent an angel to die on the cross for us instead of his son. But an angel can't save you because you'll never be an angel. You've not been an angel. It's a whole different class of being. The Bible says in the, in the New Testament that you and I were created higher than them. Because how you know that? Because the Bible, Paul said, don't you know that you'll sit and judge angels? We're going to judge angels. God will never let a lower created being judge a higher created being. We've created in the image and likeness of God, not in the image of likeness of angels. We say, well, I think there's a verse now. Wait a minute, preacher. I'm remembering a verse that says we were created a little lower than angels. You were not created lower than the angels. There is a verse in your King James, New King James Bible that says that in the Old Covenant, but you'll see an asterisk by it if you've got a study Bible because the translators got too scared to say the real thing that God said, and it says we were created a little lower than Elohim. Elohim, if you don't know, Hebrew is God. And the translators got scared, and they translated it angels, and it does not say angels. It says Elohim. And read any study Bible, and they'll tell you exactly what I said is yea and amen. But even translators say we can't be created lower than God, just lower than God. So let's just put angels there. That, go, that, that goes down better. See, that gives you something to study this afternoon while you're waiting on the football game to come on. God's not wanting us to die and go to heaven that's not the main purpose of grace, but it's to bring heaven to the here and now through us and to display that. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to get out of here, a lot of Christians are, and God's trying to get in here. We want to go to heaven. God wants heaven to go th to earth, the display of it through us. See, we live, Ephesians 2 and 6 says, we live seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now, I know a lot of Christians are trying to make heaven. They're hoping they're going to, you know, you know, win the lottery and, and heaven will be their reward when they die. And I know you're not going to understand this, and I don't mean this to be arrogant or smart or just uh, a quip or something like that. I'm just saying that we all, if, you're, if you know the word of God, you're already in heaven. You, heaven is not your issue. You're not waiting to die to see if you made it. Now, I used to live that kind of Christian life, and that's a miserable way of living. It's torture every day. 
And I don't mean this arrogant, I just mean it confident in Christ and the sacrifice that he paid and the faith I have in him that he gifted me to have in him. And so I'm not, I'm not even worried about if I'm going to heaven. I'm already there. <laughs> that sounds like you're high or something, don't you? Going to heaven when you die, man, I'm already there, brother. That don't sound right, does it? We, the New Testament says, two places in Ephesians, that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We live our life with a heaven, and I've told you this over and over, we live differently. This is the purpose of grace. We live our life differently. We live with a a not a earth towards heaven perspective. Now, I want to say something to you, and I don't mean this mean a lot of Christians, that's how they live their life. Everything is from earth toward heaven. It'll be wonderful there. I can't wait to get out of here. I, and so they're, they're, I'm packed up, prayed up, and ready to go up. That's how they live their life. That's not what God has called you to. It's something much greater than that. Yeah, you're going to go to heaven when you die. I'm not taking heaven from you. All I'm saying is, but but God wants to manifest that that heavenly realm, that kingdom here and now. And how has he got to do that? He's got that through us. Paul said, now I know i got some rough stuff ahead of me, but he said, none of these things move me. I'm not going to go in depression over it. Now listen to me, you're not going to like this, and I'm preaching to myself. It'd be easier to preach this if Jill would have stayed home this morning. I struggle. I struggle with some of this. Worry when I shouldn't worry. Get anxious. I'm not legitimizing it. But let me tell you something. we got a lot of preaching today that's coming over the media and stuff, social media, that legitimizes the very opposite of what Paul talked about. In other words, it, it validates your depression or says it's okay to be like that because you, you're going through some tough times right now. You, you're going through some hard times. So you got a right to be in despair and agony and, worried and no I mean no matter what you're going through my heart breaks for some things that, that, we, that we all face at times but that doesn't legitimize our reason to not rejoice or to lose sight of what God did when he when he saved us when we were born again see everything with Christianity begins like this okay so listen this is the view of most people this is where this thing starts back in the garden right so we got Adam and Eve and, and so we got sin, come, sin enters in. All right, so God comes. He told them not to eat of the tree. They eat of the tree. So now God comes. He's ticked off because they disobeyed and broke his rule. So what God does is he kicks them out of the garden. And he kicks them out, boots them out of the garden. No more paradise for you. Now you're going to have to go work. And clock in and work every day because you just screwed everything up by your dumb disobedience and get out of my garden. I don't even want to see your face no more, and I'm not talking to you no more. And he kicks them out and closes the door, and that's their view. of, And that's how it's taught. And that's how almost everybody that's listening to me or grew up, that's your version and my version of what happened in the garden. That God put them out, kicked them out, because he was angry. And all of that is a big, fat lie. But that's where it starts, and we go from that, and it just gets worse as we go along. And we're fed this stuff all of our Christian lives. 
And that is a total distorted, messed up view of what happened. And it's not what happened at all. And it's not what the Bible says it happens. So God placed them in the garden. He put them there where they had thousands of trees to eat from. Most theologians believe the garden was 1,500 miles square. It had rivers flowing out of it. Four rivers. It was just tremendous. We have no idea really what it was. And yet, God said, you can eat of all the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of this tree. Because if you eat of this tree, you're going to die. Now, what, let me tell you what God didn't say. God didn't say, if you eat of this tree, I'm going to kill you. That's a whole nother Christianity. It's not Christianity at all. God's just saying that if you make wrong decisions here, death is going to be the result of your choices. And listen, you're not free unless you're free to be not free. Why put the tree in there in the first place? Because you're not free if you don't have a choice to be free. Well, my dog loves me. Yeah, open that pen, let him out. Let's see where he goes. He ain't got no choice but to love you. You got him locked up. He can't go nowhere. You take him out in the yard, you got him on a rope. He's trying his best to get away from you. <laughs> if you want to see if he loves you, cut him loose. He'll be gone to the neighbor's house where he smells better groceries. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He loves me. You know why there's some, you know, listen. Man, I love you. I love you too. Really. How much hurt has come from that, that expression? I love you. And, and the person you're saying I love you too, they have in their power to shatter your life. All of a sudden, your life is in ruins and, and just, you're, you're, you're just, I mean, you're just laid out. You can't even function. You can't eat. You can't do nothing. Because somebody that you said you love, they don't love you back. And, and yet, you said, I love you, but what you meant to say is, I need you. Because love don't have no need in it. Love don't need nothing because love don't ask for nothing. Read 1 Corinthians 13. Love doesn't need anything. So we use the word love. We don't know what it means. What were you really saying when you say I love you? You're saying I need you. I need you to make me something. I, mean, I need you to make me feel like something. And as long as you make me feel like something, I am something. But if you turn around and turn your back on me, then you make me feel like nothing. So every, all of my life is dependent on what you do. I know this is deeper than where y'all want to go, but we're already out there, aren't we? But a lot of folks, are a lot, they're, everything in our lives is contingent on what everybody is. I mean, I, I didn't know them all that personally, although I'd met them personally. But these prophets, they would call each other. Some of the Morning Star guys way back 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when I was hanging out with, with some of those guys. But they'd say one of them would call the other one, you know, 
and he would call him and he'd answer, hello. He said, how am I doing today? He didn't ask him how he was doing. He said, how am I doing? See, how are you doing? How are you doing? Now, if you tell somebody, man, now, Mike, man, now you ask Mike, <laughs> how you doing? What, what, if I say, if I ask you, we're going to talk in the morning on the phone, right? And I say, Mike, how, just a normal, you ain't got, I'm putting you on the spot. But if I say, Mike, how you doing? What you going to say? You heard what he said? Yeah, I know you can. He said, great. I said, Mike, how you doing? Great, blessed, and highly favored. Don't people like that get on your nerves? <laughs> Don't they? How you doing? Man, if it was any better, I couldn't stand it. You, you. And I used to think that that was not normal. Man, I tell you, I, I tell you, man, it's just, if it gets any good or I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, whatever. And so that's, that was, that's, you know, and it's, okay, so why, why does he say that? Is that just a tongue-in-cheek cliche? Is that just something he says, or does he really believe that? That's between him and God. But it's my, as his pastor, I believe he believes it. We were talking a while back. Need to let him come up and give that five, ten minute testimony some morning. But his company, what, a month ago? Maybe a month ago? They were bought out by another company, right? And how many people did you tell me that was given their walking papers? Everybody. Everybody, and, and that was quite a few people. So, so the, the, another company bought their company. And, and by the way, they're, they're from North Florida. They come out of state every Sunday. And, and, and everybody lost their job. And, and, and our heart, and his does too, it breaks for those guys. And we're not saying like... Because, but I'm saying the story could have went all kind of ways. But God, he, he, the, the, the boss or the supervisor said, I want to see you and, and I'm keeping you. Because he saw something in him that he wanted to keep around him. And I wonder if it's got something to do with, Mike, how you doing? Great, man. How blessed, how to faith is anybody I can't stand? See, people like that around them. They like that. They don't need them. I'm just surviving, bro. I'm hanging in there. I'm just a squirrel trying to get a nudge. You know what I'm saying, bro? I'm just. just <laughs> People want to hear that. They get that anywhere. That's free. I'm still breathing. I mean, anybody want that around them? If they're honest, they don't want that around them. Now, they, some folks say, well, that ain't real. That's not real. And then you want to go like, well, come here, Mike. Now, okay, now listen. You know, I ain't talking to you in front of the church. We ain't got the mic on. Come on now, man. Cut the bull. Tell me how you really doing. <laughs> Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Come on, tell me. Come on now. You got to be sad by something. No, oh, man. I... But see, the circumstances could be I'm in prison. I'm, chains are awaiting me. Tribulations are awaiting me. But you have to learn, and I have to learn, to speak out of my spirit because what's going on in my surroundings don't change. It doesn't change. 
It doesn't change anything. And that's, and, and, and that's why I so have admired the Apostle Paul, because that's what he, he was grounded in that. And so he said, I know how to be blessed, I know how to be abound, and I know how to be abased. He says, I, I know how to eat T-bone steak, and I've eaten rat a couple of times. I know how to have plenty, and I know how to do without. But he said, whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content, though. He said, it, it, this right here, this right here don't change anything with me. It doesn't change my joy. And so that's why he can be in prison awaiting execution in, a, in a one cell and, and, and just be joyful. And writing letters to people to tell them to express their joy, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice and talk about joy and, and, and rejoicing from a jailhouse. Now, either he's the biggest hypocrite or fake or he's not. And, and, and he's not because we got Acts 16. So now Paul and Silas go to Philippi. This is where, they, where he ends up in jail. So he goes to Philippi. Now, why are they going over there to that region? Because the Apostle Paul was going to go to a certain area, and, 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 it's, and it says in the Bible, the Holy Spirit forbid him from going. So, in other words, he had that, you can call it whatever you want it. But anyway, the Holy Spirit, in some form or another, communicated to him, I don't want you going over in this area and preaching. I don't want you to go in this area. So then he said, well, I'll go to this area. And he names another area. Holy Spirit said, no. Well, Paul said, well, I'll go to this area. And the Holy Spirit says, no. Paul's like, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And so if you don't know what to do, guess what you don't do? You don't do nothing. You just wait on the Lord. You just wait on the Lord to say. And so he had a vision. And in this dream vision, he saw a man, everybody say a man, from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. So Paul woke up, and I love the way it says in the Bible, Paul said he perceived. I believe this is the Lord. He didn't say, I'm sure. I don't have a doubt in my mind. You ain't got to do all that. Just say it like you feel it. I, I'm, I believe with all my heart, you know. This is the Lord. I've been praying about where to go, where to move, what job to take. What I, I, believe this is the, I believe this is the leading of the Lord. So he says, let's, and so he, then he shares that with his ministry buddy, Silas. And so he, Paul, the apostle, said, man, he said, I believe we're supposed to go to Macedonia. And I heard a call for, to help him. I saw a man in this vision. And uh, you want to go, bro? And Silas went, yeah, let's go. So they go over there, and, and, and this is what me and, you and me would be doing as a Christian. We're looking for the man. Where that man at I saw in the dream? But you don't find a man. Isn't it weird that when they get over there, they don't find a man? They find a woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, down by a river having a prayer meeting. God says, that's your contact. Now, why would God show you a vision of a man and yet you contact a woman? Because God don't want you following him today on what you heard him say three months ago. You need to live off of a present truth and a word of God. Because God, your name might be Abraham and God, your son might be named Isaac. And God might tell you three days ago to take him on Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice. But when you get up there and draw back the sword, God might say, whoa, don't touch him. And most of us would have said, I rebuke you, devil, and he killed that boy. Don't live off what God said. Live off what God is saying. There is a present word, a rhema word, a fresh word. God is speaking today. God's got something to say today. And so what's God saying? Not what God said. What's God saying? So they find this woman. And, and so, you know, the move of God comes. 
Now there's a demon-possessed girl starts following him around, and she, she's hollering, these men are the men of God. Take heed, listen to what they say. Well, that's good social media press. You understand what I'm saying? I know she's doing good advertising. But something in Paul's spirit said, man, somebody right here. You better not ever throw that away now. Paul said, I don't know, many days my spirit has been vexed by this girl. She's running around telling everybody, listen to my sermons, I'm the best preacher ever. Eh, I got a little check in me about her. And one day the spirit revealed to him that she had a spirit of divination. That's a different kingdom. He, he rebukes and casts that devil out of her. She lost her power to do all that stuff and her fortune-telling job. They were men that were merchandising her and using her. They were pimping her out, you understand that, for her, for her ability. But she had a demon that was enabling her to do that. So now she lost her ability. They can't make money. Them brothers is mad now because you don't mess with their money. Girls and women are not selling their body on street corners because they like to have relations with people. They're doing it for money and survival, and there's people behind it. It's all about the money. They're not doing drugs just because they want to do drugs or they want to be a good salesperson. They're doing it for the money. It's all about the money. They throw them in jail. And before they throw them in jail, you can read all Acts 16. i got to hurry. They beat them with rods of iron. And the Bible says after suffering many stripes... They throw them into the inner, they, and it says through them. They threw them. They didn't gently place them in. It says in the Bible they threw them into the innermost part of the prison. The jailer having received a charge to keep them secure, throw, put them into the, the most secure place and fastened them with stocks into the, into the prison. And then it says this wonderful phrase, and at midnight... Now, I don't know what your midnight's going to be, but you're going to have one every now and then. Not noon. It's going to be dark. It's going to be midnight. At midnight, Paul and Silas made prayers. Now, I understand that. That don't, that don't, that don't jar me there. I understand. Okay, you've been beaten. You've been, you, 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 you've been thrown into prison. It's dark. You're in jail, okay? And you're praying. I get that. But then it says, and they sang hymns to God. Now, the Greek there is boisterous songs. Many translations, the, the, the Message Bible says they sung boisterous hymns. Many Bibles will sing they sung loud hymns. In other words, these brothers are getting their praise on. <laughs> they're, they're not singing, swing low, sweet chariot. They ain't doing that. They ain't doing coming for to take me home. I ain't doing that. They're praising God. And it says the prisoners heard them. Of course they did. They ain't got no choice but to hear them. The prisoners heard them. It actually says, it's not heard them like heard the sound of them. The, 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 the Greek word is they were listening to them. I wonder who's listening to you when you're at midnight. I wonder what we say at midnight that people are listening. I wonder what our grandbabies are listening to. When we come home and like we say, all oh, hell's broken loose. And somebody's listening. Say amen, glory to God, hallelujah, church. But then you get in the car and head home and that ain't the talk you talk at the house. 
and you wonder why your teenager can't figure out what's going on around. I'll tell you what, kids are one thing. Kids and dogs, man, they don't like nothing fake. You know what I'm saying? They can sniff it out. Man, I've been pastoring for real 26, 27 years, and, and over those years, I've had more than my share of teenage kids saying, my mom and daddy, they ain't what you think they are. I know they talk all that at church, but they fight like cats and dogs at the house and cuss one another out and throw salt shakers and then, you know, all that, man. They, you know, it's a fake to me. Man, kids don't, they turned off by that. They turned off by that. Boy, it's quiet. I don't mean this to be like heavy depression, you know, because that ain't your deal. But I'm telling you, we, we've got to live from a renewed mind that says the circumstances in my life don't dictate all this now. Now, if we've allowed that, that's because we've allowed that. If we've allowed it, it's because we allowed it. Let's just, let's just be honest, right? And I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just trying to wake up a little bit here. Because this was what God put on my heart. That he wants, see, you're born again. You're born again. It's totally different. You, you're not, it's, it's just a whole new way of living. So, so if we are seated with Christ, listen, if we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, see, the Bible says when they, Paul and them, how can they sing praises at midnight and, and rejoice and all that in the jail? Because their circumstance, nothing changes that. And Paul got that down. I, that brother had that down. He, he had that down. So they're singing, and then it says when they did that, when they're singing and praising God, it, it, it said suddenly, verse 26, there was a great earthquake. Now, I, I do want you to see this, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. This is not an earthquake, you know, uh, uh, you know, level seven on the Richter scale and it wiped out cities. This is specific to that jail. They didn't know what else to call it. In other words, this is, you know, this is where Elvis got the song Jailhouse Rock. You know what I'm talking about? This is where it came from. This is it. Some of y'all too old, you don't know about that. I'll, listen, listen to me. Now, we're under grace period here. We're in the New Testament. This is post-resurrection of Christ. Now, I, I just want you to see this one point that, that we let us not forget this. Your praise. Now, let me tell you what this is not before I say the statement. I see this because I travel a lot, do a lot of windshield time in that truck, seeing people and stuff. And so I, I go by a lot of churches with, and I, I observe a lot of dumb signs on their marquees. Okay. And I'm so tempted to take pictures of them and post it on Facebook, you know, like the rest of y'all do. But y'all just keep posting them and I'll hit like and I'll try to maintain my ability to speak to everybody. All right, but, here, but here's the deal. I see this one all the time. Uh, praises go up, blessings come down. When the praises go up, blessings come down. See, that's a paycheck. That's called paycheck. I'm going to praise him because he needs it and then he'll bless me. I'm going to work, and then he's going to reward me for my work. That takes grace out of it. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am saying is that your praise to God does cause things to change in your environment around you. And your, listen, and your praise to God in the midst of your midnights 
causes people who are not acquainted with God for their change to come off and for them to get born again and for their life to change because they saw that you are different than they are at midnight. They saw that you don't talk like they talk at midnight. You don't, you, 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 you're rejoicing when you should be crying. You should be saying, I don't understand this. I thought I had a word from God to come here. If this is the way God protects his children, I had it better serving the devil. They don't talk like that. They're saying, God, this ain't got nothing to do with it. Listen, God didn't save you so, you won't have, so you'd have a good day every day. You're not saved so you won't have no trouble. You are saved so that in the midst of trouble, you will display the goodness of God and the power of Christ and the glory of his kingdom. You're going to have some bad days where, where circumstances ain't going to look pretty. You're going to have some midnight times when it ain't fair. Jesus died on the cross for nothing. He didn't do nothing wrong, but they beat him. They scourged him. They murdered him. They crucified him. And Jesus didn't do nothing wrong. God don't mean because you're born again, everything's going to go your way every day. It ain't going to be like that. That's not, some of you some of you think you got saved just for you. I mean, I know you're all that in a bag of chips, but you, this is bigger than you. I, th I think I read something about that Jesus said, now I was the light of the world, I'm the light of the world, but now you the light of the world. And he said, a candle that's stuck under a bushel ain't no good. Why? Because they can't see it. But the candle that's set on the hill, he said, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for light to be light. I'm looking for ambassadors for me, for Christ. I'm looking for you to shine. I'm, I'm looking for you to reflect my glory. I'm looking for you to be my representative, to represent me to the world that don't know me. It's just a whole different way. So in other words, we live from heaven. Heaven ain't a destination you're going when you die. Heaven's where you're already at. I'm going to heaven when I die. No, you're already there. I don't understand that. You ain't got to. See, I know you think heaven's way out there somewhere in the galaxy. There's a planet, and it's called heaven. And there's your mansion with your name on it waiting on you. I'm not taking heaven from you, but if you read your Bible, particularly the book of Revelation, whatever your concept of heaven is, I hope it's based on the word, but that's coming here. Welcome to heaven. <laughs> it's going to go through a little renovation process. God's got some remodeling to do. You know, that devil that walks to and fro in the land, you know, he's going to be evicted. His time is short. That's going to cause a lot better place to live on earth. But the city of God, the new Jerusalem, God said, I saw it coming down, John said, coming down out of heaven. Now God, you know, you tell me I'm going to heaven. Let me tell you where heaven is. Heaven is where God is. And God says, now I have come and I'm going to be with them. I'm going to tabernacle with them. I'm going to live with them. I will be with them and they'll be with me. That's heaven, baby. That's heaven. Heaven is not a, 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 an antebellum southern mansion. And go. I don't care if it's paved asphalt streets. <laughs> oh man, 
It ain't about us, man. It's just a whole different way of living. It's living from, not living to. Our perspective is different. We live with a heaven towards earth perspective. But if you're a Christian and you're living with the earth towards, you filter everything through what's going on in the earth. And you look forward to the day you get to heaven. But if you live with a heaven and towards earth, that's why Jesus looked up first before he looked down on that little bit of fish. Because he looked to the place where changes occur from. You understand? He looked to a different kingdom. I think you're talking about seek ye first the, the kingdom of God. There's never a verse in the Bible that says seek ye second. But I promise you if there was a seek ye second, God would have put it in his book. But there is not a seek ye second and a seek ye third and a seek ye fourth. You understand that? Although you've heard sermons that go seek first, seek second, and there ain't none of that in the Bible. There's just one seeking, and they seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So in other words, everything about God's kingdom is based on his righteousness, not yours, not mine. And the kingdom of God, Apostle Paul says, is not food and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what he said the kingdom is. In other words, the kingdom of God is righteousness, he is peace, because I know I ain't based on me, and now I got joy. Because I've been declared and gifted righteousness. What's there not to be joyful about? Well, you in jail. I'm still righteous. Still got God. Still on my side. Well, you owe this. They said they go. Still got God. This, none of these things move me. All these years I've been doing this, 34 years preaching the gospel. People come and go from church based on what's going on in their life. I lost my job. I lost my marriage. I'm not going back to church. See, you, you, you tapped into the wrong tree, bro. See, let's go back to the garden and I'll finish this up. God didn't get mad at Adam and even kick him out. You've heard this thing, God's so holy he can't even look upon sin. That's a whole other sermon. I ain't got time to get into it. I've, I've, I've blogged about it. God turned his back on his own son. God never turned his back on his son on the cross. The Bible never says that. It's, that's just religion teaches that. If God turned his back on his own son, what, you ain't got, me and you ain't got no hope then. What will what stop him from turning his back on us? God's so holy he can't look at sin. That's like saying a, a, you know, a cattle farmer, you know, he's such a cattle farmer he can't see poop. Oh, my God, them cows pooped. It comes with the cow. I know that's, I'm saying that's how silly that is. Okay, let me ask you this. God, did Adam and Eve sin in the garden? Prior to that, did the Bible indicate that God came down every evening in the cool evening to walk in fellowship with them? Yes, he did. Okay, when they sinned, did he still come on time? He came to walk in fellowship with them, right? Did God hide from them? Did he turn his back on them? No, he went looking for them. Who was doing the hiding? Adam and Eve. What did God say? Adam, where are you? Did, Adam not, did God not know where Adam was? Yeah, he knew where he was. He wanted Adam to see what you're doing. Look at you, brother. You're hiding. You're hiding from the only person that can help you. Let me see what kind of clothes you knit for yourself. Fig leaves. Oh, that'll last about a day. That's about how smart we are to fix our problem. Yeah, I sold me some fig leaves. I took care of this. <laughs> there go the wind. 
That's about, that's, that's about how smart we are trying to fix ourselves. You don't get this everywhere, man. This stuff just brilliant. It comes to me. I'm preaching. <laughs> Fig leaves for clothes. God's like, man, come here. And God made garments for them. And he covered their nakedness. He just loving on them the whole way. God was never angry. I know, none of that. Man was put in the garden to keep it and attend it. In other words, he had a job before he had to go get a job. You understand? You clocking in on your job is a privilege, not a burden. I meet people every day that would love the privilege of being able to work. I got to go to work. You see how you talk? See how you talk? Got to go. Really? You get to go. Man, there's people in other nations, what would you a thousand times? They don't have a job to go to. But we get to. It's just a different way to live. I don't mean this to condemn you. I'm just saying, okay, so what did God do in the garden? Was he mad with them? No. What did God do? Said, you know, you need to ask me to forget. No, he didn't do anything. They, the, God said, if you eat of this tree, you'll die. Jesus came to give us life. I've come that they might have life. That's, that's why Jesus came. And so the Bible says that God did, he drove them from the garden. That don't mean he beat them out of the garden. And then he placed cherubims there with flaming swords, listen to this, flaming swords, to keep the way for them to the tree of life. He said, lest they enter back in and eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and stay in that fallen, perpetual, eternal state of lostness. And God said, they're too valuable to me to allow that to happen, and I love them too much. So I'm going to keep the way back to this tree of life. That's the tree you should have chose. And so now, listen. I'm about done. What is the message from the garden? What is the message? I don't ever want any Sunday school teacher teaching my kids, my grandbabies, that God got angry and kicked them out. They would nothing make me more upset than you, you taught my kids that because you taught them a lie. What, what is the message? What's the lesson learned from the garden? Be careful who you listen to. Be careful whose advice you take. Be careful who you listen to. Make sure who's giving you the vow. God hath not said, you know, okay, so they listened to the wrong voice, followed the wrong directions, and, and, and thereby they listened to this guy, and they did not follow God's words of life. And their choice and their decision brought death to them. God did not say, I'm killing you, I'm mad with you, I'm going to bring death on you now because you did this. we got to understand it is our, our choices and our results. All God's about is life. God's not killing folks. He's not sending floods. He's not sending tornadoes and hurricanes, none of that stuff. But when you and I are going through a midnight and, and, and things are not going like we want them and nobody would want to be shackled in a jail at midnight. I mean, you understand that's just human. I mean, we don't want that. Nobody wants that. But it did not change Paul's ability to rejoice and to praise God because he said, none of this moves me. It doesn't change anything. I'm still God's kid. I can't tell you I understand. He actually said, I don't know the things that's going to befall me. I mean, I don't understand everything. This is not comfortable. It is not pleasant for the moment. But God's not doing this to me. It's these knuckleheads around here. But, there's, but God's going to use this. And so I'm just going to do what they don't expect us to do because that's what's in me to do. I'm going to, give, I'm going to praise God. And they praised God, and there was a radical 
a physical manifestation of the power of God that caused the physical jail to shake, that caused the physical bars of the prison to open on their own. It caused the physical shackles to come off all, it said, the other prisoners. And then the guy that's the head of the whole prison is going to commit suicide. And you remember, he's the guy that asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? And Paul did not say, bow your head, close your eyes, repent of your sins. Paul did not say, say the sinner's prayer. You are not saved by saying a prayer. This is not some recital. You are saved by believing in Jesus and the sacrifice that he paid for you and I. And then life comes rushing into you and you're born again and you're totally new and God relates to you in a totally new way. And you have a totally different perspective now on life. And now you live from a heavenly perspective. And you live from heaven. And now God uses you in those circumstances that are so dark because you don't change how you feel about him. You don't speak negative of him. You don't talk against him. You don't blaspheme his name. You just give him glory and praise regardless of your circumstances. And you're just steady as it goes. And people see that because they're listening to you. They want to hear what you say, especially in dark times. I remember I had that lady in my church, and I'm going to do this real quick. lady in my church years ago had a little boy. His name was Jonah. And he died. Just cut the story real short. He died. And she had told me that if he was to die, I want you to pray to raise him from the dead. Now, you can say all that you want to say about that, but, man, that's tough for somebody to say that to you. We ain't talking no fairy tale here. That happened to me. I remember I felt such pressure. And sure enough, one day I was at home, I got a call, and he had died. And I took off to the hospital. And when I got there, but I knew that she was going to expect that, and, 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 and deep in my spirit, I wanted to do that. I imagined what that would be like if that little boy got raised from the dead. And I went in that room, and she had one family member there with her. Now, her husband had already died sometime, you know, uh, months or a year before. And now she's facing the death of her little little kid. He went to our Christian school. I knew the little fella. Jill and I drove into Atlanta to the children's hospital to see him as he was battling that, those tumors and stuff. It was just horrible. And I went in that room, and she had a family member from some another state, and I just said, ma'am, you know, nice to meet you, but would you wait outside? I just didn't want to deal with people in there trying to not believe this and that, whatever, you know, trying I just want to deal with all the religion. I, I don't know nothing about them. So it's just me and mom. Now that mom had a little thing wrote with a, with a pillowcase that said, this is not unto death but for the glory of God, laying on his chest. Now between the time he died and I got there, she had put his shoes on his feet, put on a little khaki pair of shorts and a little nice little pullover shirt on him. I was a paramedic for 20 years, so I know what dead people look like. I've seen a lot of that. This little kid is cyanotic. In other words, he's blue. Ashen, he's dark, he's dead, and he looks dead. And he's just laying there, but he's all dressed like he's ready to get out of the bed, take a walk. Now, Mama's not wailing and boo-hooing and, and all. Now, she does have tears running down her face, but she had a praise tape going. She had a CD, a little, well, I guess you call it a little boombox thing going over. She had praise and worship music going on. And uh, so she said, you know, you know what I asked you to do now if this happened? I said, yeah. And so I prayed my best prayer. It was my best at that time. Learned a little more since then. 
But anyway, I prayed the prayer. He didn't come out. He didn't get up out of the hospital bed. I remember I was so expectant to him to get up that I, I started praying. You know, I was praying with my eyes closed so I wasn't sitting there looking at a dead kid. But then I started, as I was praying, I, I literally opened one eye because I thought he was going to move. With everything in me, I believed he was going to move. I didn't know if he was going to sneeze like one, one dead kid in the Bible. He sneezed, you know, and then, he, and, 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 and then he sneezed five times and he got up, you know, for the prophet. Now, one time the prophet went to a lady's house and, and she wanted him to pray, you know, raise her son. And he prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing happened. He just hung with it for like half a day, a whole day. And finally that kid come back. He actually, he actually, he got to the point where his prayers wasn't working and he laid his body on top of the dead uh, kid's body. Y'all remember that in the Bible? If y'all read the Bible, y'all say amen when I preach out of it. And so he, he laid his body and put his lips on that kid's lips and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and he just laid on the body of him and like he was transferring his life into that kid or something. I don't know what the deal was. But anyway, the kid got up. He, he brought the kid back downstairs and said, here's your boy. That's a pretty good day. I prayed my best prayer. We prayed. And, and, and you know, they finally it comes to me that, you know, he, he ain't getting up. This is real life stuff. He ain't getting up. I, when I got up from his bedside, I looked back at his mom was just standing there behind me. She walked over to the little boom box and she turned the volume up. She still ain't losing it. And so, and I felt such a presence of the Lord. And I thought, well, maybe that's how it's going to happen. Like while we're getting our praise on, this little boy going to get up. That's, that's cool. God, do it how you want to do it. So, we're, so I'm literally walking in this hospital room. We're walking around the bed, me and mom. And we got our hands up and we're praising God. And we got no audience. We got no church crowd. We're not putting on no show. It ain't nobody but us, you know, us and God. And there lays her son, just a little feller. In the bed. And, and we're praising God. And, and I felt like every hair on my body was standing at attention. You know what I mean by that? I mean, it's just a manifested presence of God. And, and, just, and, and, and we were just praising God. And, and it, was, it, was, it was almost to me, in, in a way, unbelievable, the feeling that I, I just I can't express it to you. And I guess probably for another 30 minutes, we just praised God, gave him glory, worshiped him. I had never been given that type of stage from which to worship the Lord from. I had never had an opportunity in that type of atmosphere to, to respond in a very opposite way than it is normal based on the world's opinion. And they outside the door of the hospital room, they were nurses and people that would come and that family member and they would hear us in there because we wasn't disturbingly loud, but we were louder than probably, you know, that they were accustomed to in praising God. And finally a nurse came to the door and she knocked on the door and she knew me personally and she called me outside and she, know, she said, now Pastor Dale, because she knew me from the paramedic days, she said, now, you know, he's been dead for, well, you know, about a couple hours now. We're going to have to call the the funeral home she said now you need to help me with her and I know that she could look at us like eh, ain't sure about all this we don't do this at our church I know we don't but see we serve a God that that we worship him regardless of outcome 
we, we don't have any options or any choices other than just to say God is good and he's good all the time. And nothing that happens or doesn't happen like we want it to happen, nothing changes the goodness of God or God's love or care or mercy or grace for us. And so therefore he's deserving of praise and we're going to praise him because this is how we fight our battles. Well, ain't that how we sing it right here? And see, now these songs that they're singing, and Friday night touched me so deeply to me. These songs, somebody's writing some really good stuff. There's some good songs coming out. But I don't know if we're singing them or if we're really singing them. And I got accused of being all kind of stupid for even attempting that because that word spread far and wide. That preacher tried to raise the dead. Can you believe that? that that's a cult. Yeah. You try to do what the New Testament says. It says the believers shall raise the, uh, uh, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. And you try to do that in the name of Jesus because it's in the word and people look at you like you are an idiot. I had people belittle some of my people for even attending my church because I was dumb enough to try to raise them from the dead that they didn't even come back. Isn't that the culture that we're living in? Because we allow life to shape everything around us and to dictate to us our levels. And all I'm trying to say to that, now this is a little bit, but this is the word I feel so strongly, and I knew God confirmed this to me. I want you to stand with me. I want our elders and all to come if you want prayer. I'm going to dismiss you. But listen, there's nothing in my words today to bring any kind of condemnation to you. I'm not making you feel bad. I'm not trying to, to belittle you or berate you or make you feel, you know. No, no, that's never my heart. And I knew, man, I'm like, this right here is a hard, hard one to load in the chamber because this is going to hit me. So I'm saying to you that I'm preaching to myself because I have not had a perfect track record with what I've talked about. And I've had some midnights in my life where I did become anxious, and I did worry. And then I put words to my worry and my anxiety. I've allowed what's happening around me to dictate my relationship, even with God. And it gets very confusing. But you, your life lived will dictate to you or reveal to you and to me from which place we're living from. Are we living from earth or are we living from heaven? What is our perspective on everything that's going on in this world? What is our perspective? There, there, there are numerous people that have seen tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Sometimes they hit every day. And people have taken their lives in a country that none of those tragedies even occurred in just because they saw all the trauma going on and they didn't want to live in this world anymore. They allowed what was happening to set their lives to, to calibrate their life. That's, that's not the way that a born-again child of God lives their life. Gas prices may go up. Gas prices may come down. That doesn't dictate whether we're going to be able to ride or not. I don't know what we're going to do if this gas keeps going up. I know what you're going to do. You're going to pay for it if you ride. Well, how am I going to do that? Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because God is always with you, for you, in you. There's going to be ebbs and flows, the bases and the boundings. T-bone steak and tube steak called 
Oscar Myers. But you'll still be just as full when you get through eating. Sometimes I think about that when I've paid for a real high-priced meal. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You want to do it every day or nothing. My son, my oldest son, he carried us down somewhere here a while back. And it's one of the places where they bring the courses out to you. And, and it was really high-priced. <laughs> I wouldn't even tell you how, how much it cost me to eat there. And, and I knew it going in. It was no surprise. But he's like, Dad, you, you need to just do that once. You know, you need to just experience it. And so it was nice, and it was good. And they brought out. And then that one time, the, the waiter guy come out. He said, this here is uh, uh, the, the chef sent this out special for y'all. And we need more to that, you know. I'm not thinking, for what all this costs, he should send out some, he should send some jewelry out here. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking? But anyway, so we did all that. But I remember that night, you know, when we got through, and it was several hundreds of dollars to eat there. But I, I, this old boy here had never been any place that fancy. And it was good to experience it. I, I would have enjoyed it better if somebody else was paying for it. But I did it. And, uh, but when I got through, I was full. Because, you know, they, they bring out something and you eat that and then you have to wait a little bit and then they bring out something. By the time about the third thing gets there, I'm already full and I'm ready to go. And, and my entree ain't even got there yet. But I remember I was full, you know, you know. But, you know, I was thinking when I was going back to the hotel room, you know, if I'd eat a Big Mac, I'd still feel the same way right now, full. <laughs> see, that's my problem, the way I think. But see, you and I think differently. Your mind's been renewed and is in the process of being renewed. And we live from a kingdom, not trying to get to a kingdom. And our perspective on all this stuff in this world is totally different because we are stable. We are grounded in love. People are going to come and go in our lives. People are going to love you and leave you. They're going to holler, we love you one day, Jesus, and then next day the same people are going to say, crucify him, crucify him. I have lived that, you have lived that. But you can't allow the people that say I love you to dictate your life because there's one greater than that that valued you more than that that will never leave you, never forsake you. And his love for you it remains constant because when you was a sinner, he loved you the same. And now that you're born again, he still loves you the same. And he doesn't fluctuate up and down. And his joy remains constant. And that joy that he has for you and in you, that's your strength. And, 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 and if you look at it like it's up there and I got to go get it, no, it's in your spirit. All the joy you need is in there. All the peace you need is in there. All the love you need has been put in there. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Spirit. That's the Bible. So it's all in there. But it depends on which kingdom you're living from and drawing from. And I think it does take discipline to think in that moment at midnight. Now, wait a minute. Boy, I'm hurting like hell right now. And I don't feel good. And I don't understand all this. And I don't know what tomorrow holds. But you heard the saying, I know who holds tomorrow. So I'm fixing to. Just do what, and see, that, that was one of the hardest things for me to ever do. It's when I felt the least like praising, the least like worshiping, to do it anyway. But once you take that step, and we sing that song, I don't know if we mean it, but this is how I, what's that song we sing to me? This is how I fight my battles. By how? By praising God. This is how I fight my battle. I don't know how do you fight yours. How do you fight? Well, I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like going to work, but I got to go. 
I got to get up in the morning and drive three hours somewhere. I don't feel, I won't feel like that. I'm going to tell you, I ain't going to feel like that. But I'm going to get up and do it. I don't feel like doing it. It don't, it don't matter. Because there's something bigger than that. Amen? Y'all still love me? Still love God? I tell you, God loves you. You know that, don't you? See, all this is Demetrius' fault. Because when I was sitting there, there was part of me. Was come, I mean, you don't. I, I was. I was tired. It had been a long week. And Thursday, before, no, it was Wednesday before I hurt my back. I have a little back trouble once in a while. I ain't claiming it, but it happens. So, and it was my fault. I did something stupid. I sat on my my butt on the concrete for like an hour and a half. That was dumb. I know better, but I didn't. I forgot better. So after an hour and a half sitting there working on something, when I went to get up, oh, now I got the, I got the crazy walk going. I'm trying. So I got to do, then I go to the chiropractor. I let her do her thing. I, I do all that. But I'm just not having a wonderful, you know, recovery. Friday, it hit me again. I was in a meeting, train session, and I was sitting there by, and I mean, it just caught me there. And even the guy sitting next to me, he was like reaching for me like I was going to fall out the chair. And he said, what's wrong? I said, my back's trying to catch. You know, I'm, trying, I'm sitting there trying to work everything. And I come home, I tell my wife, and I'm putting ice packs on it. Lack of faith, I took two Motrin. <laughs> Brother Dale's hurting. And I even told my wife, I said, now, I think you're going to have to go on church tonight without me. I said, the hurtingest thing I can do is sit in that chair. She said, oh, no, you're going. See, we don't know what's going on. That doesn't make me know. I don't need no purple heart for none of that. But when I came, you know, and it was kind of hurting to stand, but that's why, I, you know, about the second song, I went ahead and took, took back my seat and tried to get position where it wasn't hurting. And I started looking at you guys. And I started seeing these people worshiping. And, and I could feel the, the manifested presence of God and, and, and just the joy on people's faces for being here on Friday night, watching the praise team's face and, and, and I knew that they weren't trying to impress us with their singing or the musicians weren't trying to put on a concert. And it was just so pure. And it was just so precious. And, man, it just started touching my heart. And I had my little grandbabies with me, you know. And, 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 and Addie, she went to sleep, you know. After a while, you know, and after a little over an hour or so, you know, she was asleep. And then the other one, he finna go to sleep. And I knew I couldn't tote him out there if, he, if we went down. So we just we, we eased on out, you know, right before it ended. And and uh, and that's okay, like Demisha said. When we do the next one, you know, some I had some people say seven to nine. My God, that's two hours. You ain't got to come home two hours. Two hours bother you? Just you ain't got to eat what's on the plate. Just eat all you want to your food and get up. You ain't got to clean your plate around here. So come for an hour. Well, I can't get there to eight. Well, come, yeah, come on. When I was walking out, there was a whole family walking in. And they was walking in. I, I don't even know if I'd seen them. And they was walking in with the kids. And, and I just said, welcome, welcome, welcome. And I, I had Addie. She was asleep on my shoulder. And I was walking out. And I told my wife, didn't I, darling? I said, I said if we didn't have them, and I said, I'd have stayed longer. Even though all that, but I, it just, just to be in that again. You know what it reminded me of? I was sitting there saying, Lord, this reminds me of the good old days. Now, that means to me. I, I, but, when, but when I said that, now listen to me. When I said that, the Spirit of the Lord came on me strong, sitting right in that chair. And I heard this in my spirit. 
For say not the former days were better than these days. For I say to you that I shall do a new thing, saith God. I shall do a thing even in thy sight and even in thy time that you have not seen before. And I will cause my presence and my spirit to be seen even among your children's children. And they shall see my glory. And, and when God said that to me, I said, forgive me, God, for just, not because I'm not forgiven, but help me to think right. And I was thinking about, man, this was so good. This was like the good old days where you just got your worship on and just worship. When we come in that Friday night and sit down, my wife looked over me. She said, you know, we used to do this stuff all the time. She said, we always had stuff. You know, we was always going here and going there and doing this and doing that, you know. And, uh, and sometimes it just doesn't seem. But, you know, sometimes you're going to speak to a fig tree and command it to go away. You're going to command the, you're going, in other words, but it ain't going to look like nothing happened. And you're going to have to walk off with the leaves still green and the, all that still going on. Y'all know what I'm, what I'm talking about? But when you come back the next day, you notice a little change. Because what you don't know is when you spoke the word of God, something below the surface where you couldn't see it happened in the roots. And sometimes prayers don't happen instantly. You don't pray it instantly and get it right then. The, the, the very fact that it says that, he, that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according. Listen, that verse is a proof verse that everything ain't going to go like you want it to go. All things work together for good. That means there's going to be some things that ain't going to feel good. They're not going to look good. But God wants you to know that I'm going to steal. And I didn't cause it. I didn't, I didn't send it. But I'm going to cause it because what's good is me. And I'm going to work this on your behalf and my kingdom. So, so you just don't worry. I got you. I got this. Righteous man falls seven times. He gets back up. God's got your back. He got your front. God's got it. It's a different way of living. And maybe today I just feel like it's just kind of, in a real gentle way, I'm just kind of grabbing you and going, hey, man, wake up, brother. Why do we come to church? Because we're exhorting one another to good works. We're encouraging one another. We're comforting one another. Some of you are going through such tough things in your life because I'm your pastor and I know, and I look over there and I see your hands raised. And, oh, it just gives me strength. I go, man, look at them getting their praise on. Come on now, get your hands up here. What you worried about? Just start praising God and worshiping God. And see, whatever kind of spiritual earthquake God needs to send to shake your situation, to shake you out of that prison, to shake the chains. And then the, the, the icing on the cake is all these other folk getting free while I'm getting free. And now we got people getting saved just because I sung at midnight. I didn't preach at midnight. I didn't give a testimony at midnight. I didn't go to church at midnight. I just decided to praise at midnight. And when I praised at midnight, the effect of that, God caused all this power to manifest because it does something. This is not a worship service praise, just praise. Get the singing over. No. Things happen. It'll happen driving in the car. It'll happen on your job. You don't got to be allowed to get your praise on. Y'all enjoy this today? Come on now. Give God praise. All right. Well, Father, oh, Daddy, we love you. And we are so blessed to be loved by you. Consistently, constantly. Oh, God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being the same.
yesterday, today, and forever, never changing. Thank you for always loving me. Thank you for always being there. Father, help us to know that whether we're in the palace or in the prison, nothing changes. Father, help us to exemplify that kingdom that we're living from, not just going to. And I pray for every one of us, Father, in this place, that we may bear the light that's been given us, not to put it under a bushel or hide it or conceal it, but to release it. Lord, by the power of your joy, let us sing at midnight. Let us sing at midnight. Chains fall off. Salvations come. This world changes because we chose to sing at midnight. Father, help us to rise above our feelings and help us to stand in our faith in you, the one who called, the one who has saved, the one who has redeemed. Father, we bless the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to know the glory of God that's in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of that glory. Let us know the why for the glory in us. Let us know the why for the salvation that was gifted us. Help us to walk in that spirit of your presence every day in Jesus' name. Well, I'm going to dismiss the church. If you want prayer, please come up here. We're waiting on you. God bless you, Grace Point. We love you.